Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Agustin, and I'm delighted to have Faisal with me today on this podcast. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about an interesting case study um, about Jackson Pollock and his therapy. The title of today's uh, podcast episode is The Exploitation of uh, Jackson Pollock's Therapy. So, as a debrief, in 1939 to 1940, Jackson Pollock gave his analyst a series of 43 drawings as a means of expressing himself. The analyst, Dr. J. Henderson, sold the drawings in 1959 to a San Francisco art gallery. Pollock's widow, Lee Krasner objected to having them publicly exhibited. She said, anything that goes on between analyst and patient is private, but as private as a confessional. Yeah. So before we move on, um, we decided to talk about who, who was Jackson Pollock. You know, like his life and his work. Yeah. And I think yeah, he was a 20th century American painter. He wanted for his scientific contribution to the abstract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said to move. Uh, Jackson was born in 1921 mm-hmm. in uh, in Winnemont State and married Lee uh, Carrington in 1945. Lee Krasner. Yeah. Yeah, I also saw um, and was uh, interesting. I was interested to learn about the technique that he was best known for, or his uh, technique that he kind of coined in his uh, golden era. Yeah. The drip technique where he he would kind of lay his canvas down on a horizontal surface and flick or drip. Um, like common household, very liquid paint onto his canvases. And it was said that he used this technique because it let him see sort of every angle of his paintings while working on them. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool because usually when you think of an artist and them working on a canvas, they have like the little, the the stand and they work with a brush. Yeah. But he... He wasn't, I mean, I guess you could say that was very abstract of him, which is a reason why he was a big figure in the abstract expressionist movement. Mm. And I think it was, it's also very telling uh, about how his art kind of divided critics. I found um, that the many critics liked his art, and said that the the way he did art allowed for spontaneity, and it was just very like in the moment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any like it wasn't like the brush strokes, fine lines, planning out. It was just he did it. While others said that it wasn't, it didn't have any meaning because it was so sudden. And because of this drip technique, which 
I find really cool because it's like the different interpretations of his art. Mm. Now, as for his life, he, sad to say, he was, uh, his personality was very reclusive. Yes. And, and um, also before, before he met his wife or worked with Dr. Henderson, he battled yes. with alcoholism uh, for most of his adult life, which I thought was very sad. Mm -hmm. But after marrying Lee Krasner, it allowed for him to enter an era of sobriety, his uh, previously mentioned golden era. He made all these uh, paintings working towards improving relationships with his, like his social relationships. And it was a very good time for him, but um, it was very sad to learn that he actually ended up falling back on his old habits, his old addiction, and he died in an alcohol-related car crash, a single car collision. Which I found kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say reflective of his art, but I would say it was unexpected after reading about how he recovered and was working on recovery to then spiraling back. Yeah, and the arts receive a uh, wood spread uh, in paintings created by Free flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Mm. And, and uh, his, his analyst from for a very long time, Dr. Henderson, mm. the one he made drawings for, who was he? He was... Uh, he was oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no worries. Uh, he, he was a Jackson analyst, analyzed, so, uh, and he always, like, he consults him or something like that. But you can't, you can't keep going. He, he was, um, I see what you're saying. He was like a, that word, I don't, I read it, and I yeah. tried to find uh, something else that described it. Yeah. And it was just like, um, like a, a cognitive psychologist. Or something similar. He he was in the realm of psychology. Where yeah. He he would help. He would try to help. Um, Pollock through through his issues with uh, relations with people, and mm. he found that the best way to do this was through his work and through his art, which is where the forty three paintings came from. Um, and. I also thought it was interesting to see that you could actually see some of the some of like the concepts and some of the architecture of these uh, Junjian. Uh, that's the word, Junjian concepts. Although I'd prefer uh, psychological concepts that uh, he worked with his analyst. Group. Yeah. So he was Dr. Henderson was a big help in his golden era, uh, but so was his wife, Lee Krasner. Now, she, she was also an artist. Uh, yeah, and, and fellow uh, painter. Yeah, 
Yeah. And she also, apart from being a painter, mm-hmm. um, I saw that her one of her like one of the sections of art that she really shone in was collages. Yeah. And her work on collages and the um, and the contrast, the similarity and contrast between her work and Pollock's work, because a collage is just like a bunch of stuff strung together to make an image. But with uh, Krasner, her her work was very was very formalized, very correct, especially in her work that featured uh, anything anatomical, due to her work with um, her her previous mentors, which we will talk about in a second. But when they got together and during their relationship. They yeah. did have like a kind of a cross, um, cross relations between their art, where you could kind of find similarities between them, which I I think is really cool, because yeah. of how both different and similar their art is, and was. Mm. Now, um. The mentors, the mentors we were talking, uh, we're going to talk about were George Bridgman and Hans Hoffman, which those two, her mentors that she worked with, is what led to her work being more formal than uh, Jackson Pollock. More more of like um, an order to it than his drip technique paintings. Yeah. Did you find anything uh, on her life about her life? Uh, no, but uh, I I think also they help artists uh, market their artworks. So you, could you repeat that? They helped artists uh, market uh, their art artworks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I also found it difficult to find. Um, find a sort of disconnect between her work and her life because yeah. she her work pretty much was her life because from a very young age she wanted to to work in art and right off in high school mm. she went somewhere where I think it was Washington Irving High uh, Irving High School yeah where, she went there because they offered an art major. And after that, she went to a college, a women's art college. It was Women's Art School of Cooper Union. She got in through a scholarship. And after that, she, she got her teaching certificate and she just kept learning and learning and learning more art. And pretty much the art was her life, I think. Yeah, I agree with you, to be honest. Yeah, and it even shows uh, through the fact that her art was affected by her life, and her life yeah. is like what affected her art. So, on to we talked about Dr. Henderson and how he was an analyst, but yeah. but what do analysts do? As as I said, uh, they always help artists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So that, that, that's why I, I search about it. Analyze always help artists. So that, that's like a final answer. Yeah. And like the um, this specific I, analyst did yeah. help. But it's not just like artists. It was like um for for Jackson Pollock, his analyst yeah. just helped him with the art. And he found that art was the best way to communicate with him. But I found that analysts uh, work with their clients to yeah. try and find a way, uh, try and find how their different life situations, like whether it be with their family, work, yeah. or they consult them. Yeah, yeah. They they consult them about how how like how, you manage your life or something. Yeah, how to, how to manage the situations in your life yeah. to have more um, controllable behaviors, I guess, which Jackson Pollock did uh, because he was a recluse. He didn't like talking to, he was very shut off, kind of. Very, oh. I guess you could say stoic. Yeah. And yeah, that's all with the, the goal of helping their client. And just to kind of put everything in a in a nice, neat little uh, frame. Yeah, we're gonna talk about what exactly was going on during this time between the time of 1939 to 1940, when Jackson Pollock was actually working with this analyst and making these uh these pieces of art. Yeah, and also between 1939 and 1940, uh, Jackson gave Dr. Henderson a series of 43 artworks as means to express his himself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the those were the paintings that he ended up um, giving away to the yeah. So during this time, there was, it was actually, I didn't even, I kind of, I was reading the dates, 1939, 1940, and mm -hmm. I, it completely just skipped my mind that that was the time that um, World War II actually started, mm -hmm. which it really puts things into perspective. And what I guess, I guess it would be a, a good reason I, there's actually that's I misspoke. There's no good reason for what happened to Jackson Pollock, but if there is any reason, the the starting of World War II to turn back to his alcohol, mm -hmm. it's understandable. But also yeah. in 1939, um, they started the the atom bomb program, which I didn't realize. And I believe also in 1940, they started the Selective Training Service Act, which was the first draft during peacetime for the United States. Another reason why Jackson Pollock may have 
turn back to his old ways, fear of being drafted or maybe losing possible friends to the draft. Yeah. And also 1959, the 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 year that his analyst gave away those paintings. Mm. It was actually the the first time that the United States introduced uh, its first NASA ant- uh, astronauts. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, also. Jackson's uh, most famous painting were made during the drip period between 1947 and 1950. That's very, I didn't know that. I was, when I was doing uh, research for this, I was just looking between 1939 and 1940. I didn't even know that he did drip paintings before, in mm. like, in, like you said, 1937. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool because you could probably see if you lined up all of his paintings and all of his artwork, you could probably yeah. see when he started working with the analyst to try and get better yeah. through his art, which that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of Now, during the time of the 1940s and 50s, therapy and psychology wasn't very socially accepted, especially not as it is now. So that that could also be a point of pressure that Jackson Pollock experienced because he was actively working with an analyst, which probably would have been frowned upon. And as an artist, it wouldn't be beneficial to have all these eyes looking in on you. Mm-hmm. With these, with this negative kind of uh, connotation of, oh, he's going to therapy, he has psychological issues. Because during that time, there were very, there were a lot of treatments that were used that were very inhumane and like borderline torture. I think around this time was when they were using shock therapy. Yeah. Which is very scary. And also, I think very lucky that Jackson Pollock found and worked with an analyst as well as he did to enter his golden uh, era and work through his alcohol. Mm. Now on to uh, this, this next section I think is going to be the most fun because it's we're past the, the portion of painting a picture about Jackson Pollock and his life and everything that led up to his eventual death and the sort of distribution of his art from his analyst. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about our our own thoughts about what happened. So Pollock's widow. Yeah. His wife, uh, Lee Krasner, also an artist, died in 1985. Yeah. And remember her wishes were that the um, his paintings would not be publicly displayed because she said that anything that goes on between analyst and patient is private. Do you think that her wishes concerned concerning her husband's drawings should be respected? Yeah. I, I have to agree. I think that. Yeah. I think that does. Yeah. Cause like it's, it's such a, 
at least for a Pollock, his art was a very personal experience. And Lee Krasner was there to, was his partner throughout that experience of trying to work through such a difficult time. And then she, remember, she died 1985 after his analyst gave these paintings and they were put on display. So imagine what she had to go through seeing all these people fawn over all of these paintings that they probably didn't realize like what exactly Jackson Pollock was going through when making them. She was there. She probably better than anybody understood the paintings. And that's, I'd say, probably one of the reasons why she wouldn't want them publicly displayed and to keep them private. Because Jackson Pollock was a private man. He, He was a recluse. That's why he he worked with the analyst. That's why he had troubles with alcohol and he was addicted because like that's sadly who he was. And his wife just wanted um a little respect. Yeah. But after her death, do you think that it would be appropriate to exhibit the art now? I still think no. No. Yeah. I think it yeah. should still be private. And we already talked about whether her wishes should be respected prior to death. After, yes, they should. It's mm. even after, well, I still think even after death, that's very much his art. You look at a piece of Jackson Pollock work, you say that is a Pollock. That's Pollock's work. Yeah, but I feel like now, with with like his art being so, I think one of the pieces was sold for like hundreds of millions of dollars in a private auction or a private sale. I think now the his name has just become a kind of token for expensive in the art world, which is a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. Now. Do you think that the and and also after Bolik uh, did uh, uh, his wife uh, managed uh, his estate and ensured that Jackson Jackson reputation remained strong, deserved, changed art, world trends. I mean, like they like uh, they saved her uh, has like uh uh has has uh come with something like that or his so that's why yeah like she she watched after his stuff after he died yeah and she the analyst didn't even think to give her the art her husband's art he yeah. decided to sell it so was the analyst justified for selling the drawings in the first place? No, mm. I I don't think he was because I feel like that yeah. that's like a a sentimental thing. And just like when Jackson Pollock died, and she received his estate and all that, and like his belongings, essentially, mm. I feel like she also should have gotten the art and the final say in what the art was like used for. Yeah. Now, on to, 
I think the most interesting question and the final question, do you, does the fact that these drawings were part of Pollock's therapy have any bearing on their status as art? I'm going to let you answer first. Okay, can you please? Okay. Does the fact that the these drawings, the Jackson Pollock drawings, does the fact that they were drawn during his therapy have yeah. any bearing on their status as art? Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, me too. Cause like yeah. art is very I think in the book, um, in the book for this course that we're taking, it's described as a very human thing. Yeah. And like what could be more human than um working through like your issues, your emotions, and trying to better understand them. Mm. I feel like just the fact that his art is a result of his therapy definitely has some sort of effect on the like on the status as an art piece. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know any other way to say it than it makes it more art. Which is like mm. you can't really make art more art. It's but like you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. And I think that was that was our last question. And let me double check. Yeah, we are coming close to time. So yeah. we have to all right. Thank you for joining us so much today, Agustin and Faisal on the panel. I appreciate it. This concludes Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Thank you for listening. You. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day.